Welcome to episode 186 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, a little light trail maintenance. I used to believe that trails just existed and that they were the well-worn footpaths created by thousands of people walking those same miles over and over. Nope. Trails are made and maintained. Today, we'll talk about some things that you can do to help. Then, if you've always wanted to pack a chainsaw for clearing fallen trees on the trail but just didn't have enough room in your pack, we have a solution. And we'll share a hack that will upcycle your favorite old cotton t-shirt and give it some trail time. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. It took me a long time before I realized that trails don't just exist. That they're actually engineered or created or carved out of the land, and that there's a lot of maintenance that goes into preserving these trails. And once you realize that trails are man-made, then you usually think of trail maintenance as something that a crew comes in to do when no one is looking. They're like trail ninjas. They come in with their cross-cut saws and their wheelbarrows, maybe even a Pulaski or two. Everyone's wearing their hard hats and... I don't know. I've never seen a trail crew on a trail while I've been hiking on it. So they are magical, perhaps mythical beasts. (laughs) And they're definitely people that we probably take for granted. For sure. Now, some trails are not man-made. You can occasionally find a game trail through the woods. And the problem with those trails is they don't go anywhere. You follow it for a few hundred yards and then it peters out at the base of a cliff or, you know, (laughs) like these impossible places that you can't pass. And man-made trails are designed with a destination in mind. It's going to get you all the way there. But they have to cross those same impassable obstacles. Someone's got to do the work to get that trail somehow around that cliff or through that mountain or they got to find a way. And yeah, that doesn't just happen by chance. And I think we've all been on a trail where there has been some kind of obstruction in the trail, either a fallen tree, or you come across a really muddy patch, or even a rock slide. There are all sorts of things that can impede the trail and make it harder to pass, and sometimes impossible to pass. How many people scramble around the obstacle, and how many people stop to remove the obstacle? I think about like on roads when uh, something falls out of someone's car and it ends up just right smack in the middle of the road. It's that same kind of issue. Like it's pretty easy, but a little inconvenient to just skirt around the obstruction in the road. It's much more inconvenient to stop, pull your car over to the side of the road and then kind of risk your safety to go out into the road and remove that obstruction. And yet if someone does that, then the traffic flow is freed up from that time on. So I, to me, it's it's this interesting thought about how one person has to take a little more time out of their day to do something that will save a whole lot of people a tiny bit of time. 
And trail maintenance is something that we usually defer to the professionals on. There's an obstruction in the trail. Well, the trail maintenance crew is going to come along sometime this season and they're going to remove that for us. So I'll just kind of skirt around it. Oh, it's turning into a bit of a mud bog or a landslide because everyone's skirting around it. But the trail maintenance crew will take care of that. They'll come in and they'll just fix it all up. But what if you have a little bit of that good Samaritan in you and you want to help because you know that some of these agencies are underfunded or that they have hundreds of miles of trails to maintain and limited resources or limited crews. Is it possible to do some, call it vigilante (laughs) trail maintenance or rogue trail maintenance while you're backpacking in a way that won't make more work for the trail crews that come in after you? Are there some things that you can actually do to help? I think there are some easy things that we can do. And it's just a matter of knowing the difference between what things are appropriate and helpful versus things that could actually be detrimental to the trail that may undermine the plan for that trail, the structure for that trail. Right. I talked with Craig from the Sayuslaw Ranger District, and he said quite often people think they're doing something helpful when they make a change to the trail. And then his crews have to come in and they have to fix that problem on top of all the other to-do list items that they have on the trail. So when you talked with Craig, did he have some ideas of things that are good for like Joe Backpacker (laughs) like us to do? Joe and Jane Backpacker. He did. He had some really great ideas. In fact, that's going to be our top five list today. The top five small and simple things that you can do to maintain the trail. And I love the ideas that Craig shared with me because they require very little time, very little resources, and they're things that you can do as you're walking down the trail. And I assume these are things that Craig picked up as he's been working with the Ranger District. I don't think these are his original rhymes, but they they all rhyme. So I love that. And the first small and simple thing that you can do to maintain the trail is to stash the trash. So when you find a little piece of trash, stick it in your pocket uh, or stick it in a designated trash bag in your pack. And that's trash that you find on the trail, as well as trash that you may find in fire pits, things that didn't burn all the way. The number two small and simple thing that you can do to maintain the trail and just make it a better place for everyone is to flick the stick. (laughs) That means just to kick those sticks off the trail that may be a stumbling hazard for others. It doesn't take any time and it really does make the trail a better place. The number three small and simple thing that you can do to maintain the trail is to knock the rock. And by knock the rock, that means just move the trippable rocks out of the way, those ankle rollers. There are some rocks that are placed on the trail that actually have a specific purpose. Either they're part of a retaining wall, or they could be there to hold a section of trail in place, or they could be there just to provide visual interest. No one wants to hike on a trail that looks like asphalt. (laughs) But some rocks are just sitting on the surface of a trail like a baseball, just sitting there. They're providing no benefit to the trail structure, and they're clearly a tripping hazard that is easy to remove. You're not going to need to do any digging at all, just a matter of knocking it with your shoe. 
And I think it's good that it's knock the rock instead of kick the rock, because if you kick it too far and you have switchbacks down below, it could end up in someone else's path. So just knock it a little ways off the trail, just so people don't trip over it. And the number four small and simple thing that you can do to help maintain the trail is to drain the rain. If you're on a spot of trail where the water has pooled up, you can take your foot or you can take a stick and cut a little spot in the trail next to the edge and let the water drain out. That makes it so that you don't have a boggy, mushy, muddy spot in the trail because when there is that pooled up water in the trail, what do people do? They hike around it usually, which widens the trail and creates more erosion. So if you can actually drain the water off of the trail by just dragging a stick through the side and letting the water naturally drain off, it will dry out that spot and people will be able to walk through it. This is one of those problems that makes itself worse over time. You get a little puddle in the trail, no big deal, people can just go around it. So the trail gets to be a foot or two wider. Well, as people are going around it, they're no longer on a trail surface, they're just on the you know, the the natural forest surface, which is more dirt than rock or gravel. And that dirt gets mixed in with that puddle in the trail and becomes mud. And so they can no longer just walk around the puddle by going a couple feet off trail. Now they got to go five feet off trail, further into the woods, further into the dirt, making more mud and turning this small puddle into a huge mud pond that completely obstructs the trail just gets worse and worse. Well, instead, if you remove the water, then the whole problem goes away. You can just walk straight through on the trail again because you got rid of that water in the first place. It may be somewhat temporary. You may dig that little ditch and maybe a few weeks later, it kind of fills in a little bit, gets clogged up, but you made a difference for that time and someone else can make a difference again when they come through. We've done this in several spots on the trail leading to our family backpacking spot. There's one area in particular where water just seeps out of the ground, kind of like a natural spring. And so that part of the trail is always wet. There's no amount of going around that's really going to be effective. But if we can channel the water, it can all go down in one place and then down to a spot where it can get off trail and and go down the hillside. And that leaves the rest of that trail dry enough to walk on. We made that change. We dug those little channels um, maybe a month ago. We were just back up there with friends last week, and uh, I was impressed to see that that channel that we had dug was still effective, and that that whole area, it still needs some more work. There's still some spots that are too muddy and that we have to be really careful walking through, but much of that area has improved quite a bit just by the small channel that we dug about a month ago. And the number five small and simple thing that you can do to maintain the trail is to trim the limb. A lot of times when trees fall down and no one's there to hear them, (laughs) you end up coming across it on the trail and it's a mess. There are branches everywhere. And if you happen to have something like a little handsaw or a pocket chainsaw or a bow saw or something, then you can actually help trim the limbs off of the tree so people can climb over the tree. You may not be able to take a chunk out of the tree and actually clear the whole tree off the trail, but you can at least take the limbs off and make the trail more passable. This is also an easy thing to do with limbs that are just kind of hanging down into the person zone of a trail, you know, the stuff that comes down below kind of the six or seven foot level above your head. 
Sometimes it's just small stuff, but it's really in the way. Especially when you're walking with a pack on your back that may be sticking up a little higher than your head. And even a pocket knife or even your bare hands can be used sometimes to just break those small limbs and get them out of the way. One note about this one, though, you don't want to be widening the trail or removing bushes from the side of the trail just because they happen to be brushing up against you. Some of those bushes there are meant to prevent erosion. So just trim off the stuff that is, uh, you know, like the pack grabbers, those uh, vines that maybe have some grabby stuff on them. You can trim those off. You can trim branches kind of out of that, like you said, the hiking corridor, the person zone, uh, but don't actually remove any plants. We'll leave that for the trail crews to do. When I was growing up in western Washington, I remember seeing the crews that would do the trimming on the side of the rural roads that literally had what looked like a jumbo lawnmower on a on the end of a thing on a big tractor, and they were just mowing <laughs> the trees on both sides of the road. That's not the idea. <laughs> yeah, that's not the look we're going for. You still want it to look natural, like like no one has been there. You're the first person walking through for the first time. So you don't want it to have that, what was it, the Bob the Builder look? Uh, I think it was Bulldozer Bob. Bulldo that's the one. <laughs> you don't want it to have that Bulldozer Bob look. You want it to look pristine and natural and just as wild as it was the day that it was created. So if you want to be a good Samaritan on the trail, the five small and simple things that you can do are stash the trash, flick the stick, knock the rock, drain the rain, and trim the limb. But there's also something else that you can do. You can report problems. So make note of kind of where the problem is, and you can contact the ranger office, even if you're not sure what jurisdiction it falls into. They all know what land belongs to who, and they can get the information to the right people. So report it to at least one agency. Any problems that you see? When I talked to Craig at the Sayus Law Ranger District, he said that he has stewardship over 100 miles of trail by himself. So he really relies on the help and knowledge of people like the first 40 milers who are going out there and actually using these trails. Yeah, he could spend all his time just hiking that 100 miles over and over to I'm see sure. if there's anything that needs to be cleared and he taken care mind. of. mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it would take all of his time just to monitor the 100 miles, let alone correct any issues. So instead, if someone can say, hey, focus here on this particular trail, about five miles in, there was a 12-inch log down over the trail, well, now instead of having to hike 100 miles to find a problem, he can go straight to the problem that someone reported and take care of it. Yeah, and I love this. Well, I love this whole episode, actually, because, you know, a lot of times we just feel powerless, especially when it comes to government issues or with political stuff. You just feel like you can't make a difference. Well, on the trail, you can make a difference. And that's what's so cool about this. You can be proactive. In fact, one of the really cool things that you can do with your local ranger district office is that you can go in and you can sign a volunteer agreement. It's a one-year agreement, and it means that you don't have to go out with a crew in order to do more significant trail work. 
means that you get training, you get the support of the ranger district office, and they'll tell you what needs to be done and where it needs to be done. So if you, if, if you're not satisfied with this top five list, if you know that you can do more and you are really antsy to get out there with your pocket chainsaw or your bow saw or your clippers, or whatever, and you want to do some work, this is the way to do it. Talk to your local ranger district office and tell them that you want to sign a volunteer agreement. Okay, so when you talk to Craig, what were the things that he said that we shouldn't do, that, that we really should leave to the trained trail crews? Yeah, he said, do not make structural, architectural, or permanent trail changes or redirections. So just because you see a little spur trail off to the side that maybe an animal made, that doesn't mean you go in there and start tilling up the ground and bringing in rocks and widening the path. He said the biggest way that you can help is just make the existing trail a little bit smoother path for those who follow. So like, for example, some people might think that it would be a good idea to drag a big log next to the trail and kind of make it like a, a bumper guard on the highway. You know, oh, this will be pretty here. You know, it makes the trail so nice. And this is a pretty piece of wood. The rangers know that something like that could actually stop rain from draining off the trail and could cause more erosion on the trail. So just do small and simple things that can help the trail. And if you want to do more, get the blessing of the local ranger district office. Another example I can think of is if you do come across one of those spots where there's a puddle in the trail, and we talked about just draining that. But if people have started to go around that puddle, you might think, oh, I can reroute the trail over through the woods. You know, I'll make a new 50 feet of trail that goes around this puddle. Uh, that's the kind of thing to leave to the trail crews to decide whether to do that. Most likely, they are going to put in a permanent drainage for that puddle and keep the trail where it was, rather than creating 50 feet of new trail and introducing who knows how many new spots for potential mud puddles on that new piece of trail. And we have a couple fun resources that we're going to put in today's show notes. One of them is a glossary of trail work terms, and that's from the Washington Trails Association. And we'll have that in today's show notes, as well as a link to a video about trail maintenance. And you can see how tough it is. It's entertaining. It's from the 90s, so you're going to love it. But you'll see what tools they use and just kind of learn what it's like to actually work on a trail crew. These videos were put out by the U.S. Forest Service as uh, training videos for their personnel back in the 90s, like Heather said. And uh, they're wonderful. We watched them for date night for we a did. couple nights. <laughs> How nerdy is that? Yeah, it really I is. Love it. You'll love them. Now, a lot of the small and simple trail maintenance things that we talked about don't require any tools. However, if tools you do, are fun. <laughs> tools are way fun. And we found a really fun one, which we're going to do for our Summit Gear Review today. And it is the Sportsman Industries Pocket Chainsaw. If you get a thrill from watching wood chips fly, you are going to love this. This pocket chainsaw is essentially the chain from a chainsaw with a handle on each end. The chain is a little different than a gas chainsaw chain because this chain has been designed so that it has teeth that cut in both directions. So instead of like a chainsaw where you've got the chain running around the bar of the chainsaw 
all in one direction, going round and round. Instead, you've got a chain that you pull back and forth as you saw through the log. So you can use it in a couple different ways. You can wrap it around the limb or the fallen tree that you want to saw, and you can pull your hands back and forth, kind of shimmy it around. Or you can use the two-person method and have one person on each end pulling against each other. The tricky part about that is that the person who's not pulling, they still have to provide a little bit of resistance as the other person pulls the chain back over. If they loosen up too much, that chain just gets bound in the wood. So you develop it's kind of an art form to pull hard when it's your turn to pull and then to give a little bit of resistance when it's the other person pulling it back. For mass, most chainsaws weigh between 9 and 15 pounds. <laughs> there is no way I'm putting that in my pack, let alone the awkwardness of carrying that thing. But Heather, how much does this pocket chainsaw weigh? Pocket chainsaw with the little carrying case that it comes with is 5.8 ounces, ounces or 166 wow. grams. That's really cool. So you can have all the features of a chainsaw, but no gas, none of that mess. I mean, it's not loud either. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's just kind of this kind of melodic sawing sound. Oh, it's a really um, energizing sound. <laughs> like something's happening, but it's not overpowering like a gas chainsaw. Right. And you see wood chips literally flying. Like these are chips of wood. It's not sawdust. It is chunks of the log flying out into your hair and everything. It's just, it's really cool because you can rip through a log so fast. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the Sven saw, which is another great way to rip through a log. But we talked about its limitations and that you can only cut about a six inch log before it hits the top of the saw because it's a bow saw. With the pocket chainsaw, there are no limitations other than the actual width of the chain. And the chainsaw is 36 inches long, so you would have to find a tree that was uh, wider than three feet that had fallen across the trail, <laughs> and uh, you, it would yeah. be stuck there forever, probably. Well, even a two and a half foot log would only give you a few inches to move back and forth. That right. would be pretty hard, but you know, up to 18 inches, you're probably good. Right. Yeah, and you can also use this for cutting firewood which one of the reasons that it's good to use a saw for cutting firewood instead of just pulling branches off the ground is you get a longer burn time. So if you want to just have some logs to put on the fire, this would be a really great way to actually get logs instead of just branches. For maintenance, the pocket chainsaw should be oiled once in a while. Treat it like you would uh, the chain on a bike. However, it doesn't need the kind of oiling that a gas-powered chainsaw needs, where it's going at, you know, however many hundreds of revolutions per minute, and it needs that constant supply of oil on the chain in order to keep it from overheating. That's not a problem with a pocket chainsaw. Just keep it oiled so that it won't rust. Although it does get hot. When you get going back and forth, it, it does heat up, so... Uh, but it cools down fairly quickly too. The pocket chainsaw comes with a really durable carrying case. And to put it in its carrying case, you just dangle the pocket chainsaw into the bag and lower it into the bag. So you don't actually have to, you know, wind it up or anything. You just lower it slowly into the bag and it will take up all the room in the bag and then you don't have to fold it up. No, oh, that's cool. It just kind of folds itself as it goes into the bag. Right. For investment, the Sportsman Industries Pocket Chainsaw is $20. 
and they do have a 100% ironclad lifetime guarantee. And if you're not 100% impressed or satisfied, they do offer a money back guarantee. For trial, we brought this pocket chainsaw out with us to our family backpacking spot along with some other tools and kind of passed it around the family. Everyone got a chance to use it. It was one of the most popular cutting tools that we used. This thing was downright fun. It really was. But it was a workout, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I was so sore the next day. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not used to uh, doing manual chainsaw labor, yeah, it is. It's a big workout. So I saw that when I was operating the saw by myself, just single person, I could kind of pick my pace and, uh, and regulate my pace keep my energy up and and cut through that wood. But with larger pieces, we did the two-person method. And when you get two people going on it, it, it's like this, um, you feed on each other and you start going faster and faster. (laughs) And pretty soon it's all you can do to keep up with the other person who's doing all they can do to keep up with you. I mean, if you want a workout, this is the workout. Like (laughs) sell your treadmill, whatever else you have, and just go out in the woods and find a log that fell over and just start cutting it into rounds with a pocket chainsaw. And one thing I do want to point out, along with this chainsaw, we also brought some little wire hand saws, which um, they look similar. You know, they have a handle on each end and they have some sharp stuff in between. It's about, you know, about the same length. And um, those ones, those little hand saws are notorious for binding up, and for snapping. I think we could say they were completely worthless, right? Yeah. Because anything that was small enough to be cut by those little wire saws was small enough to simply break with your hands. So, like, why even bring it? And anything that um, that was a little bigger, those wire saws just, they'd get stuck in the wood. They just bind up. They're, they're too small but this pocket chainsaw from Sportsman Industries is the real deal. A real chain with real teeth that, that have a, a wide bite to them. It doesn't bind up like those little tiny things do. Lots of fun to use. And it's light enough for backpacking. I mean, seriously, 5.8 ounces, that is definitely light enough and small enough to fit in your pack. I mean, this literally is a pocket chainsaw. You could fit this in your pocket. It is about the size of a McDonald's cheeseburger that someone sat on. That's how big it is. It's so slim. It can easily fit in your pack. There's one other thing I wanted to mention from our trial of the chainsaw. A lot of the other saws that we trialed that day were bow saw style or uh, just a um, a saw on the end of a stick, basically. <laughs> uh, and those saws generally cut with a top-down approach. I'm not talking about Leadership politics or organizations or anything. <laughs> but you start at the top and you cut downward. One of the issues you often run into with those saws is that two ends of the log are up on higher ground. And then the, the middle of the log where it's blocking the trail is suspended. And the problem is, as you cut downward on that log, then the log is already sagging downward. And so it pinches in on that cut that you've made coming down from the top and your saw gets stuck halfway through the log. The cool thing about the chainsaw was that it works best as a bottom-up approach. So if you can fit it under the log and start there, then when you and your partner or even you by yourself are pulling on that chain, you're pulling upward and, and cutting from the bottom up. It works really well with a lot of logs that are just situated in such a way that if, if you were to cut from the top, it would pinch, 
But if you're cutting from the bottom, then the cut actually opens up as the log sags, and it, it ends up being really effective. So the sportsman industry's pocket chainsaw is pure fun. You can make it as competitive as you want to,、uh, and it's really effective and it's lightweight. And we'll have the link in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com/slash186. For today's backpack hack of the week, an upcycled t-shirt bandana. There is no limit to the many uses for a cotton bandana. In fact, it's kind of a rogue piece of gear because it is the only piece of cotton that you should have on your backpacking trip. Typically, cotton is rotten; cotton kills. But a cotton bandana is another story. There's so much that you can do with a cotton bandana, and because of cotton's properties, it really makes it wise to bring a cotton bandana on a backpacking trip. We talked about the top five uses of cotton bandanas way back in episode twenty-one. So, if you want a quick little DIY project for this weekend, you can turn one of your old favorite cotton T-shirts into an upcycled cotton bandana. And this is a no-sew project. You'll just need a large cotton T-shirt, of which we all have many in our homes, I'm sure, and then you cut a big square out of it. You can get two bandanas per large cotton T-shirt. The benefit to using t-shirt material for a bandana is that it ends up being softer than a traditional bandana, and you get those good memories from your old favorite t-shirt. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Harry Roberts. He said, "You've heard this before, my friend, but I have to say it again because this is my last chance to say it." You're not going out there to prove anything. You're not going out there to rough it. You're going to smooth it. You get it rough enough every day. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent children's book, Backpacker ABCs, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first forty miles. I talked with Craig from the Sayuslaw, Sayuslaw, as well as a link to a video about trail crew maintenance. Okay, so、trail、you want to、crews. trim their beard about two inches long? <laughs> Make sure they're wearing fresh flannel. Yeah, not trail crew maintenance. <laughs> trail、Treat、maintenance、them. crews. Yeah, probably work.